Good Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, January 9th, 2013. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 97, paragraph 1. Today's readers are Michelle, Rebecca, Judy B., Fran, and Carol P. The reference number for Tuesday, January 8, 2013, is 3638-3638. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Patricia to read the 12 steps. The 12 steps, can you hear me? I can, hi, welcome. Okay, this is Patricia, compulsive overeater. Um, Step one, we admitted we are powerless over food that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we have harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we're wrong, promptly admit it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and practice these principles in all our affairs. I will now ask Margaret Kay to read the Twelve Traditions. Good morning. Good morning, Vision, for you. Uh, My name is Margaret Kay, recovered in New Jersey. Uh, number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, our group purpose 
For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, O-Readers Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such would never be be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, O-Readers Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, and television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book, on page 97, paragraph 1. And I will ask Michelle to begin reading, please. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, a vision for you. This is Michelle, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Never avoid these responsibilities, but be sure you are doing the right thing if you assume them. Helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act the Good Samaritan every day, if need be. It may mean the loss of many nights' sleep, great interference with your pleasures, interruptions to your business. It may mean sharing your money and your home, counseling frantic wives and relatives, innumerable trips to police courts, sanitariums, hospitals, jails, and asylums. Your telephone may jangle at any time of the day or night. Your wife may sometimes say she is neglected. A drunk may smash the furniture in your home or burn a mattress. You may have to fight with him if he is violent. Sometimes you will have to call a doctor and administer sedatives under his direction. Another time you may have to send for the police or an ambulance. Occasionally you will have to meet such conditions. I'm going to go back to the top of the paragraph. It it, um, 
it's uh, referring to the previous paragraphs, never avoid these responsibilities, but be sure you are doing the right thing if you assume them. And um, the previous paragraph was just talking about um, to make sure, um, checking in with my higher power first, make sure that I'm aiding um, his recovery and not aiding his, his destruction. And so I may be tempted um, <clears throat> if my ego gets in the way and think that, um, you know, that I'm this person's higher power when I'm not. Uh, I had to quit playing God myself and um, rely on the power of something greater than myself, whom I call God. Um, and it tells me that helping others is the foundation stone of my recovery. And that means that I'm not thinking about myself, which was something I did all the time before I got recovered. Um, I frequently thought of myself. And now uh, my thoughts are turning to, are turned to helping others. And I do them in ways that are helpful, not in ways that are you know, aiding their destruction. And how do I do that? I do that by getting out of God's way. Um, I do that by turning to God and asking him to direct my thinking and my actions each morning as I set out for my day. And that I need to not just do a kindly act once in a while, that, you know, the foundation of my recovery is helping others, helping others in this program, helping others who aren't in this program, and certainly getting my thinking off of myself. I need to uh, let God be the guiding source for not only me as a sponsor, um, helping a newcomer, but also in giving direction um, and helping the newcomer see that that's where my power comes from. My power comes from a source greater than human resources, greater than human aid. And so I'm directing my thinking um, where God wants it to go, and that is in helping others. And as an act of gratitude, because I've been helped, it has been given freely to me, and so I give freely to others. Thanks for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you, Michelle. Is there anyone that would like to share on that uh, reading that just came from Michelle? Just press star one on your phone keypad. Hi, good morning. This is Kathy from Maryland. This is Katie. Oh, hi, Kathy, and then Katie. Hi, good morning, everybody. You know, I think um, this is Kathy Compulsive Overeater, and I think the hardest part of this program is, you know, we've got to extend ourselves. You know, it's part of, you know, we've been given the gracious gift of recovery. Sometimes we're going to have to do things for our fellow, which we don't really want to do or like to do, and to help them, just as we have been helped in our own journey, you know, whether it's, you know, they've, they've gone into an in-treatment center and, and making that effort to do a phone call, whether it's, you know, listening to their tears, whether it's picking up the phone and, you know, talking them off the ledge before they dive into the pot of food, whatever it is, you know, we've got to be there because we've only got each other. We've only got each other to save us, help us, to keep us all sane and, and out of our addictive behavior. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Katie? Hi, this is Katie, a recovered compulsive reader in Virginia. Um, helping others is a foundation stone of your recovery. Um, a kindly act once in a while isn't enough. I mean, I sponsor 
three people every day. And if they stopped calling me, I wouldn't hunt them down. That's what these um, these pages have taught us. You know, all of this is about willingness on the part of the newcomer and on the part of the sponsor. Um, it's not saying that these, at the very end, it says occasionally you will have to meet such conditions. I mean, it's not like every single day I'm sitting at a hospital, you know, holding someone's hand. But I am, I am willing to go to any lengths for my recovery, and I'm willing to go to any lengths to help others. If, some, if people call me, I call them back. If uh, someone asks for my um, help, I'm there to help them. And that's what, what I have to do. I can't say, well, I've been absent for years and years. I'm just really busy. And believe me, I am. I have a very, very busy life. But I can't say, you know what, thank you very much. Um, I got it now, and see you later. I still answer the phone three times a day when my sponsees call. I still call my sponsor at a particular time because she's making herself available for me. And when people call me, I call them back. And, uh, you know, I share my recovery. Whether I've been asking them for one day or 100 days or 100 years, that's what we do. And it's the willingness that has to stay uh, active and um, part of my recovery. And God um, constantly gives me uh, what I need for my own recovery and to be able and available to help others. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone like to comment on what was read? This is Janice. Good morning, Janice. Go ahead. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, it's it's giving us some very good information here, and it's giving us a snapshot, a picture of what these first 100 recovered alcoholics were willing to do and what they did do. You know, this isn't something they just made up. This comes from their own experience. This was some of the experiences that they had. And they're giving us a picture here, a snapshot of the possibility of some of the things that they did and why they did them. Why they did them. Helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. You know, a foundation, without a foundation, a strong foundation, a building will topple and it won't last. But I know that my foundation has to come with a solid, solid building. You know, it has to come with a solid building. And that building included the working of the 12 steps. And if indeed I have had that spiritual awakening, if indeed I now am trying to live in a spiritual experience, then this is some of what it means to me. You know, and I love that it says, it may be great interference in your pleasures. In your pleasures. Well, you know what? Pleasures are fleeting. Pleasures are fleeting. You know, they come and go. There'll be more. But what I know to be true is the pleasure for me today is in, indeed, helping others. Because paying it forward is one of the most wonderful things I'm allowed to do to reach out my hand to someone who might be suffering the way I was suffering. 
and give them an opportunity to grab hold the same way I was given that opportunity to grab hold. You know, I couldn't do a thing about the things I wasn't aware of, and thank God someone showed me and taught me and took me through this big book so that I could see what was possible. And yes, there may be bumps and lumps, and we may stumble and fumble and bumble our way through, and we may be trying always to be helpful and useful, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes we're able to do things and sometimes we have to call and get someone else to help us. But you know what? We, we build this village around us. We build this network of recovering people and we never have to do it alone. We never have to do it alone. But there's always help available as the recovering community grows and as we're able to help other people. You know, I'm willing I'm willing today in a way I never was before. Not only willing to experience my own recovery, but willing to do what it takes to keep it paying forward. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Would there be anybody else who would like to comment on this paragraph? Good morning, it's Leah. Good morning, Leah. Hey, Melanie, good morning. Good morning, everybody. My name is... I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Never avoid these responsibilities, but be sure you're doing the right thing if you assume them. Well, those of us that have had a spiritual awakening, again, step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So those of us that have had a spiritual awakening, a personality change, sufficient to bring about recovery, are now charged with a responsibility. And that responsibility is to carry this message, not just our own personal message, our own personal philosophy, um, but, you know, we have a daily reprieve. Big Book teaches us we have a daily reprieve, but it's contingent. It's dependent on something. Freedom is not free. And they've laid out three steps for people like me who are recovered in order to maintain this spiritual condition. Step 10, of course, is continuing to take personal inventory. Step 11, of course, is continuing to develop and strengthen that relationship, improve that relationship with God who revolutionized my life. And step 12, to pass it on, to carry the message. Trust God, clean house, help others. So it says, helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery, as Janice just described. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act the good Samaritan every day if need be. I mean, we started off Chapter 7 with that statement, uh, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity protection uh, from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. <laughs> it ain't no joke. You know, they're talking about intensive. They're talking about vigorous. They're talking about strenuous. I mean, perhaps there are other things I'd like to do in my morning time, but I'm here. And there are others that are here because this is the responsibility that we have. It's a responsibility. It's an obligation. <laughs> it's self-preservation. And by the way, it's sheer pleasure. So we're here. You know, further down in the paragraph, it says, your wife may sometimes say she is neglected, 
Well, hello. <laughs> that is part of the package. You know, that is part of the package. And I think, you know, as time goes on, perhaps we get better at juggling numerous balls in the air, and some may drop here and there. You know, uh, that is true. But we do get better at it. It's a skill as to how to give the necessary attention to our loved ones and to our daily tasks that are required of us and to pay it forward. How do we juggle all this? Is it inconvenient? Indeed. Absolutely. 100%. Inconvenient. But you know what? Being driven by a merciless obsession wasn't convenient either. Sitting in my car night after night for three hours while I binged my brains out till my eyeballs hurt was not convenient. Not being able to get up on time and getting to work late was inconvenient. Being called in to my boss to have a good talk with me about my lateness and irresponsibility and inability to meet deadlines, inconvenient, among other things. So it's all about uh, you know paying it forward because our life depends on it and doing it with great pleasure, obligation, and responsibility. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. This is Melanie. I would like to share on this, too. I would just like to add to what other people are saying, actually. And um, I've used this um, paragraph several times in my opportunity to, to share with people. And I've not been asked to do nearly any of these kinds of things. But what I've been asked to do is, um, um, you know, Melanie, could you read the 12 traditions today? Could you... Um, um, you know, talk with this person today. Can you pick up the phone today and uh, and help this person through this other kinds of things? And that's what I've done. And I and I haven't wanted to many times, and I've been afraid too many times. But the, why do I do that? Why do I do any of these things? Because I can do that now. When I came into these rooms, I was agoraphobic. I was not going out. I wasn't picking up the phone. My disease had, and the insanity of it had gotten so bad that I could not come out. My world was so small. And these are the opportunities that have transformed me, laid myself out and open. And you know what's asked of me? Maybe to be a new greeter, you know, newcomer greeter. Maybe it's to, you know, go to a meeting and take the tea. That's all. And maybe more will be asked of me. But I'm signing up because it has transformed me simply to do these things. I kind of chuckle at, at what they're saying. These are the things that they were met with. I've never been met with having to, to wrestle anybody down or go to a sanitarium. I've simply been asked to maybe read or moderate or something like that, and it's because of that I can be who I am today. I can speak, and maybe most times coherently, it is, a, it is an honor, it is a responsibility, and it has been life-changing to me. It is, I can't even tell you. I will go and do whatever is asked of me because of the life-changing alterations that have happened to me. I have a bona fide second chance of life because somebody simply said, could you take the tea today? Oh, my gosh, is that what it is? Is that what I have to be in order to be able to come out of this, to, to leave that, that hell of complete and utter deadly isolation? Oh, I shake just to sh and shudder just to think of what it was like a few years ago. And with that, I pass. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph? This is Christy. Hi, Christy. Go ahead. Hi. Good morning, A Vision for You. This is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, you know, just between you and me, you know, just between you and me, um, 
I am an extremely selfish person, extremely selfish person. And so, you know, the, the big book in this program of recovery was written for someone like me. It was written for someone like me because what it says is, Christy, if you want to keep what you have, if you want to keep the freedom you have today, if you want to keep the fact that you have no desire to eat compulsively, you have no desire to eat compulsively anymore, which is beyond a miracle, beyond a miracle that I have no desire to eat compulsively today, none whatsoever. If, if you want to keep that, Christy, you've got to give it away. You've got to give it away. You've got to work with other people. You've got to pass that on. You know, and I mean, if, if nothing else, you know, there's no way I could ever repay the people who have helped me. There is no way I could ever repay the gift I have been given. There is no way. I mean, I couldn't come up with anything. I couldn't come up with anything that could repay these people. And the only way I repay them and the only way I keep clean and keep from wanting that first bite, you know, I should say one of the many ways, is to give this away. It's to give this away. And, you know, I, I work hard in my recovery. It, it, it's not, you know, it, like Leia said, freedom isn't free. You know, I work hard in my recovery, but I don't work any harder than my disease asks me to work. I don't do anything more than my disease asked me to do. You know, my disease had me by the throat and was relentless. And my recovery, you know, the, I mean, you know, I may be working, you know, hard in my recovery, but the results are very different than the way I worked in my addiction. The results are extremely different. My life has been transformed as a result of recovery. And, you know, the way that happens is that I do other things for other people. I think of other people today besides myself. That's it. It's, it's pretty simple, and it's uh, perfect for someone like me because in order for me to stay well, in order for me to stay well and continue to get better and continue to deepen my recovery and my relationship with my higher power and my relationship with the world about me, the, you know, the better off I am and everybody else. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Christy. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Yes. Hello, Betty Ann from New York. Good morning, Betty Ann. Um, thank you. Good morning, Vision, for you. Um, I'm very grateful for this topic. My question is uh, for myself is when, how much giving do I do? And um, when does it become caretaking and controlling? And when is it really giving? Because I have a tendency, as we've stated before other people, we're selfish and controlling people. And um, I have a trouble with that boundaries with sponsees. So what I need to do, and the program has given me, um, is to ask God for help. And when I ask God for help, and I relax, like it says, upon awakening, we ask, we, um, ask God for direct our thinking, and it our thinking will be on a much higher plane. Um, I ask God for help and I relax and I take it easy. And I don't struggle over it. And then the answers come. And that's what the program has given me, to pause. And because I have a, a, a difficulty with the boundary, like when, do I, when am I caretaking and when am I 
uh, am I being of service to this person? So um, the program has really given me that. And if I access my higher power, let him in, let him in with my life, then it works. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Betty Ann. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sharon. Sharon, go ahead. Yeah, in looking at this paragraph, I, um, what I'm reminded of when I first started in in OA and how difficult it was to get anyone to answer the phone, to, um, you know, I re- read the big book and I was looking for that community that was the, that society that the big book talked about and I couldn't find it. And even though the big book uh, indicates that these relationships, this this uh, doing it together, we're all in the boat together. This is what it's it's referred to. It says that it's this is how we recover by working with others. Yet in the rooms, I was having a I was having a difficult time forming relationships. Uh, and you know, not that I was trying to infringe upon anyone. I just wanted talk about program and get someone to call me back and I couldn't I couldn't find that and uh, I sometimes hear people um, occasionally say well I I have my family has to come first I I don't have time to uh, to do to do the to to uh, reach out to other people and yet we look at this paragraph and this chapter, and it says never avoid these responsibilities. It says that uh, we have to play the Good Samaritan every day if need be. It may mean loss of many nights sleep, great interference with your pleasures, interruptions in your business, and in your business. And uh, I find as a mother that when I put my program first, that it's a teaching for my children to know that they have to take care of themselves just as I have to take care of myself, even if it means that I have to go that extra mile for my recovery. Before I, I can, if I'm not healthy and whole, I can't be there for other people. So when I get torn between my program and my family, I recognize and I know this is a tough one, but as women, we have to address this. But I have to put my program first. Now, for me, that means getting up early before my family is up so that I can put them, so that when they are awake, that I can devote myself to them. But yesterday or Sunday, I uh, one of our fellows was in the emergency room. And I looked at my family, and I realized that, uh, I asked her, I said, do you need me to come over and sit with you? And I was prepared to explain to my family that I needed to go and and help out a fellow. 
and they would be okay. Now, of course, I make sure that my family's safe. I don't put them in danger and, you know, throw things down and not make sure they're fed and so forth. But I arrange my life so that I can take care of my program. I do those things, uh, take care of my home so that I am available to uh, go that extra mile if need be. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. And who else would like to comment on this paragraph? Just press star one on your phone keypad. Uh, this is Lois. May I share? Hi, Lois. Yes, please Hi, do. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you. Um, uh, I wanted to comment on never avoid the, these responsibilities, but be sure you are doing the right thing if you assume them. Helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. Well, what, what I've found by following these directions in, in the big book and help and working with others is when I began to do that, of course, you know, I, I was very serious and I was afraid of making a mistake. And um, what, it, what it did for me was I, I, I practiced uh, the program by reaching out and asking others, am I doing the right thing, which, uh, you know, which people have taught me on this line. So my, my, my uh, recovery has deepened. And, and when I work with a new person, I, I, I take into account where they're at, and then I go back and forth into the big book so that I can um, have, have what I need in front of me. Um, and, um, and, and so that in doing this, I'm, I'm learning more and more about the 12 steps. And as, as I'm not doing it for that reason, but the, but the uh, effect of that is in helping others, I am helping deepen my knowledge and my understanding of the directions in this big book. It, it's, it's quite a, a miraculous um, action. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Lois. And before we move on, is there anyone else who would like to uh, comment on this paragraph? Okay, moving on then. Rebecca, would you please read the next paragraph? Hi, this is Rebecca from Connecticut. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We seldom allow an alcoholic to live in our homes for long at a time. It is not good for him, and it sometimes creates serious complications in a family. Melanie, should I continue? Yes, I think that would be good. So an alcoholic does not respond, there is no reason why you should neglect his family. You should continue to be friendly to them. The family should be offered your way of life. Should they accept and practice spiritual principles, there is a much better chance that the head of the family will recover. And even though he continues to drink, the family will find life more bearable. You know, I knew I was going to be reading the, this paragraph or these two paragraphs, and I was trying to think of what I could say um, in response to them because I think it really is quite unusual that um, 
a compulsive eater would come and live in the home of their sponsor, um, even for a short time. But I was thinking that, in a way, um, our sponsees come into our homes and um, have an impact on our families by virtue of the time that we spend with them on the phone. And it doesn't say here when it says serious complications in a family, whether they're talking about the sponsee's family or the sponsor's family. Um, and maybe it was intended to be about the sponsee's family, but I was thinking that um, in my experience, because I'm recovered and my family has seen a psychic change in me and can appreciate what I've gotten from this program and how it's made all our lives better, they can accept that in a virtual way my sponsees are coming into our home through the telephone and the time that I spend with them, and they're able to accept that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rebecca. Would anyone like to comment what was read? Good morning, this is Margaret. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning, Uh, thank you. Though an alcoholic does not respond, there is no reason why you should neglect this family. And as was just said, you know, we really don't uh, necessarily have the family in our lives, their families in our lives, but but they do come into our home. That's a really good point. But I, I was also thinking that though an alcoholic does not respond, though a compulsive ever does not respond, there is no reason why you should why I need to neglect them. And I can't tell you how um enlightening and helpful this study on working with others has been in the last couple of weeks because I really recognize that over and over again I can be friendly with people. I can be uh, you know there to a small degree when they're not ready. Uh, just had an instance where I'm going to just read the big book with, on the doctor's opinions, but that um, I will not be sponsoring somebody. So it was a nice, friendly conversation, and I had the time to do this. So, but I, it was a real freedom for me to know how to set boundaries around sponsoring because I would become exhausted from sponsoring, and. The freedom now is that I can be friendly, I can be helpful, I can be loving. And as was said here, sometimes we just need to let go with love and see what happens. But it was just a major relief for me and to know, to really understand the specifics on how to sponsor, when to let go, uh, and those and those kinds of instructions that were given here. So it is just wonderful to be able to just be free with people and allow them to go on their journey and yet still be able to be friendly. As as Bill says, so many times in this book, friendly, one time I looked up how many times friendly was in the first 164 pages, and it's a lot, and yet still learn how to be friendly and have the boundaries at the same time, which is very difficult for somebody like me. So... Um, that's just the thing that I can say that I have really learned during the study, and I and I thank all of you for it, and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. Who else would like to read and comment? I mean, I mean on this paragraph. This is Janice. Hi, Janice. Welcome. <laughs> thank you, Melanie. Thank you. 
Well, I'd just like to share a bit of my own personal experience for, for what it might be worth or helpful to anybody. You know, they're, although they're talking about an alcoholic who might not respond or might not be ready, I'd like to do a little bit of a flip side picture for you of people who are ready and who have responded and how the family can be affected. I've had sponsees, I've had people that I'm working with that call me at a particular time every morning and I have had husbands call me. I have had husbands pick up the phone and call me and say, oh my God, my wife has the flu. She's been in the bathroom throwing up and she asked me to call you. I've had a wife call me and say, you know, my husband went into the emergency room last night Someone from my group, someone I was working with, someone I was calling and speaking with regularly. And, and he's, he's concerned about, will the hospital be able to provide the kind of food that he needs? And do you have any experience with this? Because he asked me to call you. You know, when I get phone calls like that, when I'm able to go and help and be a part of that family, I see exactly how the family is affected by someone's recovery. I see that because the person who is recovering is so dedicated to what they are doing, sees the importance of what they are doing, is concerned about what they are doing, concerned enough to have shared this with their family, and the family begins to recover as well, that I, I reach out with love and I say, absolutely, let's, how can I help? Let's be let's let's put our heads together. What might your family need? And that has been done for me as well. So it is it is really working the practicing these spiritual principles when the family, when the children I've I've watched children, precious children, protect their parents' abstinence. I went to, went to uh, uh, an event once and, and one of my fellows and her family was there and, and her little girl said, oh, my mommy doesn't eat that. My mommy doesn't eat that. And, and I cannot tell you, brought tears to my eyes, this child, because she knew she'd been affected. She loved how her mom was recovering. So, you know, we can be helpful to the family no matter what the conditions are whether the person is recovering or not recovering, there are still many ways in which we can be helpful if we are practicing our principles in all of our affairs. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Who else would like to comment on what was read? This is Leah. Hi, Leah. Go Thank ahead. Thank you so much. Thank you. Though an alcoholic does not respond, there is no reason why you should neglect his family. Um, at my face-to-face meeting, um, back in Minneapolis, where I no longer reside, but, uh, it was an open meeting, and, uh, we would often get family members coming in, or I would often get, as well as others, uh, get calls from family members. Um, the most common calls I would get would be from mothers, of teenage daughters or young adult daughters who were in the throes of compulsive overeating or one of the (laughs) facets 
of of our disorder. Um, and of course, they were pulling their hair out and uh, very worried and wringing their hands. And oftentimes, these young women were not ready. You know, they were bowing to the demands of their disease, and the pain had not yet gotten so great that they were willing to implement these steps and do the things that we need to do in order to uh, arrest this disease. But that doesn't mean I can, I should neglect the family. That doesn't mean that I shouldn't uh, support and be a little, uh, you know, breath of fresh air for the mother, for the parents. This is about relationships. This is about love and service. This is about interacting with human beings. This is about being a bridge. Bring, being a bridge. You know, we may be the only example, the only living example of the big book that people see. So it says you should continue to be friendly to them. I mean, absolutely, the family should be offered your way of life. You know, we do what we can. Again, this is not about this 12-step work, this sponsorship, this interacting that we do with other people. This is not about personal success. It's not about personal power. It's not about personal recognition. It's always important to remember in this business of Overeaters Anonymous that the highest rank is servant. We're just here to serve. That's it. We want to, we wanna, you know, have our true ambition be to walk humbly under the grace of God and live usefully and live usefully. And even though he continues to drink, the paragraph says, the family will find life more bearable. Let's make life more bearable for these people. You know, I think of an illustration of this in my own life where my sponsee of many, many, many years had been working with a woman, a sponsee of many, many years, who um, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And as her condition deteriorated, the spouse of this sponsee relied greatly on my sponsee for support into the transition into a nursing home, the transition, you know, um, into accepting uh, his wife's diagnosis. The, you know, my point being that this is about relationships. We are dealing with human beings here, human beings who have lives and loved ones. How can we be useful? How can we carry this message? How can we be a bit of love, a bit of light, a bit of harmony, some cooperation, some understanding, some comfort to those people in need? You know, our lives have been saved. <laughs> We've been saved. Thank you, God. So how can we give back? How can we express some of that gratitude? Well, that's what we're reading about today. And thank God we have many opportunities to practice this. I mean, certainly the first 11 steps brought amazing change in my life, amazing change, a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. But as I look back on these 25 years of working with other people, I know I have grown far more from carrying this message and working with other people and their families than I grew from the first 11 steps. And the more that I give what I have been so freely given, the more I am blessed by God growing in my life. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? 
Just press star one. This is Lois. Um, I wanted to comment on how I can be of more help to families. And and what what came to mind for me was as I as I speak with my sponsees uh, along many different subjects and in the beginning, just beginning to work the steps, you know, and and they call me maybe with some of their problems uh, regarding relationships with their families, and sometimes I can be of help that way. First of all, by asking God to help me to uh, have the right thing to say to guide my thoughts and actions. And and also I can reflect back that maybe, you know, I can be um, devil's advocate and explain some of the, the ways family act and maybe soften, you know, the way this sponsee is seeing things that I can explain how that other person might be feeling, such as, you know, maybe he's coming from fear as well. Or don't forget that, you know, uh, we're not the only ones that have a sickness, that other people are sick. And in a way, uh, you know, I believe that's a form of um, helping families as well as the sponsee. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Lois. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read before we move on? Hi, this hi, this is Nicole, uh, recovering compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania. Can I share, please? Yes. Hello, Nicole. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I just want to share that I'm relatively new into recovery, a little over a year now, and I have three small children, and sometimes, you probably hear one of them now, sometimes I feel like I want to get more into program and, like, you know, sponsor people or make more meetings or do all this stuff, but I can't do it, and then I neglect my responsibilities here, and I just wanted to share that for me in the past couple of days. God's been really showing me that working this program, I have little sponsees right here. And I have a husband that I can serve and give and pra- practice these principles. Sh- practice these principles with my family. And sometimes I, I want to like you know do more stuff for program, but it's really selfish reasons. I want to do it for myself. And if I'm really practicing the principles of this program, is love and service and giving to others. If I'm struggling with something in my program, I can get outside myself and help my kids, and um, it might not be as exciting as what I think it might be to work with somebody else, an adult, but that's what God's given me, so I need to I need to do that, and this chapter and hearing everybody share just reminded me of that, so thanks for letting me share with that attack. Thank you, Nicole, and I will now ask Judy B. to read the next paragraph. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Judy B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. For the type of alcoholic who is able and willing to get well, little charity, in the ordinary sense of the word, is needed or wanted. The men who cry for money and shelter before conquering alcohol are on the wrong track. Yet we we do go to great extremes to provide each other with these very things when such action is warranted. This may seem inconsistent, but we think it is not. For the type of alcoholic who is able and willing to get well, little charity in the ordinary sense of the word is needed or wanted. And I have found that to be very true. Um, What the people I talk to uh, 
really want is some of my time and experience. What they want and what they really uh, need is my my um, encouragement and and the hope that I can offer when I when I tell them how how this program really works. And um, that is really the the um, the service that I am able to give. Um, at this time, and it doesn't have to be people that we sponsor. I, I sometimes find it difficult to um, to say to people over and over, "I'm I'm not able to sponsor anyone else," but um, that is the truth at the moment. And but I am able to take phone calls, and I am able to listen to people, and I am able to talk about what this program has done for me. And I think uh, when somebody's first starting out, that that is enough in the in the very beginning. That's what they want. They want to know that this program works. They want to know that there are people that care about how they're doing. You know, they 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 want to know all about this program, and um, and that's what I what I'm able to share at, at this point. And. Um, you know, I, I haven't had to help people with money or shelter or any of, of those other things uh, so far. Um, but I am able to do what I can do, and that's all that God asks of us, to uh, to see what we have to give and to give that, which which we are instructed to give. I mean, we ask, we ask each morning and each day, you know, please show me how I can be helpful to others. And then, and then we listen for guidance, and and we're shown what we can do. A beautiful program, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Who would like to share on what was just read? This is Kim. Good morning, Kim. Go ahead. Good, good morning. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. Men who cry for money and shelter before concrete alcohol are on the wrong track. You know, I think that is so common. That's something I find so common. People, I want this so bad. I want this so bad. Please, please help me. But there are certain things that have to be in order beforehand. You know, you don't understand. My job is so demanding. I don't have time to do everything that you're asking of me. You don't understand. I've been unemployed for so long. There's too much pressure. I don't have time to do this. You don't understand. My husband is so demanding. I don't have time to do this. You don't understand. I am single, and I have to do everything myself. I don't have time to do this. You know, we're so good at figuring out why reason why we can't do this program, but yet we want the pain to go away. We want the pain to go away, but we don't want to put the effort in. So the, the people who want to conquer alcohol are on their own track. You know, we often think that, that if only the food would get in order, all of our trouble will go away. Isn't that what recovery is? If I get the food in order and if I lose the weight, then the world will be perfect. Everything is wonderful. I always thought once I lost the weight, I'd open my front door and Brad Pitt would be waiting for me. But that's the wrong track. You know, we have to submit totally to this program, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what's going on there. The first step is we are powerless over alcohol, hyphen, our life is unmanageable. They are two separate thoughts, two separate and concurrent thoughts. Yes, I am powerless over food. Yes, my life is unmanageable. 
and I need to submit to this program because by getting the food in order, putting it down, walking through these steps, I will have a spiritual awakening. I will have a psychic change and I will be able to face life on life's terms. But if I keep thinking that my circumstance is different, that I have a reason to not do these, this, these steps, then I'm never going to start. I'm never going to start. So once again, let me finish that up. The man who cried for money and shelter before conquering the alcohol are on the wrong track. So for those of you that are new, I don't care what your circumstances are. I want you to recover. Submit to this program. Call someone. Reach out for help. Stop the, stop the denial. Stop the defiance. And just recognize this is available for everybody, for every person if we reach for it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Fran please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Fran, Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, pass.